views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Hello, hello. There we are. <coughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome back to the Culture Insanity Podcast. This is episode number two of season four. So, if you were eagerly awaiting two weeks ago, uh, the Saturday before last, for episode two, you didn't get it. And that's because I was diagnosed positive with coronavirus. Fake coronavirus. It was a false positive, as it turns out. Almost jeopardized my entire vacation, as I was just talking to Pastor Monty about. But got tested, tested positive, made no sense, no symptoms, never around anybody. Tested again the next day, negative. Okay, what do you do with that? You know, is it false negative or false positive? <laughs> so kind of uh, carried on as as uh, as I was going to. Then, as I again, as I was just telling Pastor Monty, was met in Hawaii not with a not with a lay, but with a another COVID test. So. That one turned out to be negative, which confirmed the false positive. So anyways, that's why we didn't have an episode two weeks ago. So um, today is episode two of season four. So thank you for uh, coming back and, and uh, you know, eagerly awaiting the return. So on the docket for today is more fun. And by fun, I don't mean uh, necessarily fun. I mean more nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more nonsense. You know, a lot has happened in two weeks, let me tell you. Yeah, a lot a lot tends to. A lot tends to in, in culture. But uh, so what we got on the docket for today, Pastor, as I uh, sort of briefed you on, was we got the deep fake trend continuing and developing rapidly. Um, so more on that. Uh, we got, um, I guess how would, how would you uh, categorize issues with children's not consumables. I don't know. Things marketed to kids. We got Mr. Potato Head in the news. We got Dr. Seuss in the news. We well, cancel culture. I mean, it's all a part of cancel culture. Right, 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 right. So we got, but specifically as it as it re, um, relates to things marketed toward children and how we should feel about them now, things that are changing and whatnot. So that's what's on the docket today. So we're going to just sort of jump right in. We'll start with the whole the whole deep fake thing. So did you happen to read did you happen to read that article um that I posted the Tom Cruise one? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So the guy looks like Tom Cruise. Yeah. So our producer our producer Jasmine can share it, but uh this particular TikTok profile I don't know. <laughs> It's weird to refer to him as, like, this guy or girl. Honestly, don't know if it's a guy or girl because the whole concept of deepfake means it can be anyone. But uh, it's specifically this person deepfaking Tom Cruise, and there's a few videos. But uh, I'll sort of play the audio for you because it's kind of disturbing. But uh, And then we'll sort of discuss the implications of, of deepfake. But it's a TikTok guy, um, and he deepfakes Tom Cruise. And, okay, before I start... Like a year ago, so deepfake is a relatively new thing, right? Um, I think we talked about it on last season's sh- 
one of last season's episodes and like the just sort of an introduction to the deep faking and stuff like that. But a year ago, if you were to like look at deep fake videos and stuff, you would see like clear glitches, I guess, and stuff like when someone moved like the like the the face, the graphics and stuff would sort of shift and glitch and it would be like obviously a fake video, right? right like a someone right. like this this thing that someone's doing. It's kind of like a if you go you don't but, <laughs> but you know, you go on Instagram or or you can even do it on Facebook Messenger like if you Skype someone or not Skype but Facebook message video call someone. Um you there's like these filters you can do and there's like an overlay, right? A face. And it's obvious that it's in, like an overlay. Right. That's what deepfake looked like a year ago. It's like this overlay that looked so obvious that it was fake, but you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of disturbing. And then several months later, like there, I, I was um, um, exposed to like this Jordan Peterson one where it was just audio, though. And I don't know if it was like someone had taken snippets of his many interviews and conversations he's had and like seamlessly stitched them together to create... Right. A, J- a Jordan Peterson like voice emulator. Like I can speak, and it's it's not my voice; it's his voice. So the technology has been like rapidly evolving, and now we're at this point where there's these videos, and this particular guy, it's Tom Cruise, but there's these videos where it's like, oh my gosh, that's disturbing. <laughs> like you can buy it hook, line, and sinker that that is not who he says he is. He's Tom Cruise. So I'm gonna play just a quick audio for you. Um, our producer can can post via the 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 link that I'm pulling from um, the the video, or you can look it up on yourself. Just Google search "deep fake Tom Cruise," and I'm sure you'll find it in in recent articles and stuff. But um, it's crazy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just play the audio for you. I'm gonna show you some magic. It's the real thing. Sounds like Tom Cruise. <laughs> I mean. Uh... It's all the real thing. <laughs> so, of course, that was just the audio. And if you're listening, would you agree that that sounded like Tom Cruise? Yeah, reasonably so. But you know what comes immediately to my mind? What? You know, the guy has done like four or five Mission Impossible deals. <laughs> That's what they do. They put a mask on and a voice thing, and oh, they can change that's it actually, to anybody. That's actually, that's actually some good meta commentary there. But um, so the audio is one thing, right? It's people have been have been uh, imp- like emulating and impersonating voices forever, right? That's a, that's a thing. So the real like magic in the deep fake is is if you watch the the video. So look it up. Jasmine will post the thing on our comments, but. It's disturbing, and it looks like Tom Cruise, and like everything. There's no, there's no glitching. There's no shifting. It's it's seamless, and it's like whoa. This is how far it's come in just a year. So, um, first of all, I'll give you an initial thoughts on this whole deep fake thing, and I'll ask you some more pointed questions. What do you, what is your take on the whole deep fake thing? Is it kind of disturbing for you? Do you think it, not really? Do you think it will lead somewhere that's like disturbing? I guess. Well, it can. I mean, there's potential if the, if the <laughs> If the uh, art form, <laughs> uh, the art form of deep faking, <laughs> if the if the art form is protected, uh, per- perfected rather, then then you'll you'll never be able to be sure uh, who is presenting what and if it's really true. Yeah, 
and I mean, that's that has that has scary implications. implications. Yeah, and that's that's already sort of where we find ourselves with news, right? Right. I was talking to one of the other elders. And I was talking to Colin today this morning, and <clears throat> we already live in like a a time, right, when it's. What do you trust? Where do you go for like real yeah. information for the facts versus manipulated, distorted things, yep. and narratives, and and so on and so forth? So we already live in a time where like, what's what's real and what's fake, right? And video, audio, not so much to an extent, but video in particular used to be like that's cold hard proof, right? right. Like you're in a courtroom and you're caught on video doing something have fun wiggling your way out of it type of thing you know like, like video was this thing that was that was that was as as factual as it gets in terms of um proof right well yeah i mean but in, nowadays, in, in the court system though see but in the court system they have uh they have forensic uh investigators that can tell whether something has been manipulated or not uh, media wise well, that's what it's saying is it still hasn't been um, this article. Again, read the article, but uh, not you, but the audience. But one of the things it's saying in the article is social media hasn't developed systems and formulas to flag these these videos as uh, authentic or fake. Right. Well, th they and would so, have to develop software to do that. Right. And there's it's like an ongoing thing of how how can we do that? How does it work? Um, like Microsoft is on like um, is l sort of trying to lead the charge and how to you know sell the this solution to that problem, but well, like I said, I mean I, I hear what you're saying like there was forensic investigators that would look into that and stuff, but for the for the everyday person right, right and right. if we're talking like culturally impactful right not necessarily in a courtroom right but for the everyday person who's being presented with a fact or look here's this person saying something or or it was even used against like um nancy pelosi for example there was a deep fake of her like acting drunk that wasn't real that was that uh, was a deep fake of her you know acting um intoxicated or something right, like that right. so it can it's already like has seeped its way into like the political realm on some level although it was used humorously but you can see how well, we're not we're not even a full step away from now introducing this into a more insidious and sinister with more insidious and sinister like agendas, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like Microsoft is trying to develop something so that like the social media platforms have a way of flagging these videos because for the everyday person with the naked eye, like there's there's no flagging it. Like that just looks real, you know? Right. Other right. than saying, okay, why would Tom Cruise post this nonsense video? <laughs> like that's the only sort of recourse we have. Like has Tom Cruise lost his mind, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But we don't really know. But I don't know. You don't think that if if someone can use something for bad, they won't use it for bad. And in this case, deep fakes. You said you're not necessarily worried about it, but. Well, but I'm not worried about it because I'm old. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about and it. I don't have to worry. <laughs> I don't. I, for, first okay. of all, you know, you, what your audience may not know is that, you know, I mean. For fifteen, I spent fifteen years as an investigator for the Internal Revenue, mm. and so I I'm skeptical anyway. <laughs> when when people tell me things, you know, I'm skeptical. I'm not. Mm. I don't. 
I, I'm not uh, what 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 we used to call gullible. I'm not gullible. People have been feeding you lines for decades. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so I don't, you know, I don't easily um, get faked out. But but that be that being said, there's not a lot that there's a lot of the stuff that's happening in the culture today really doesn't apply to me <laughs> personally. Okay. So put yourself in a younger person's shoes then. <laughs> well, from that standpoint, as I said, that that's really difficult then because. Because what you have is you have a, an erosion of trust, mm. and you're just not going to know who to trust, mm. and 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 the potential for wreaking havoc uh, on an individual's life is uh, is just enormous. Yeah, and I don't know why people want to do that type of stuff anyway. But but the but remember that 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 um, the biblical perspective. Is that um, man is inherently given into sin uh, because and to glorify self because because of the fall. So people who are bent towards that end, they will do those things. That reminds me. <laughs> okay, two things. When we were in Hawaii, when I was in Hawaii, I found that Hawaiians seem to like country music like i found it playing in like grocery stores and markets and stuff i'm telling you <laughs> more often than i would have expected Con country is everywhere it was weird but <laughs> while i was there while i was in one of their like local grocery store chains can't remember the name of it but there was a luke bryan song on so you'll appreciate this as a country fan and it's i don't know the name of his song but it's like the one where he's saying i believe most people are good and yada 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 and he keeps that's like the reoccurring like theme right, of the song. I right. believe most people are good. Yeah. What? I think Luke Byant is delusional. Most people aren't good. I don't believe <laughs> most people are good. I don't either. I was, <laughs> I was saying that to Josh. I was like, this song sucks. Most yeah. people aren't good. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's Luke Bryan smoking? Most people suck. <laughs> but that's but but that's what the world you know the world pushes that idea yeah. that they don't want to you know they don't want to admit. That deep in the heart of man uh, reeks yeah. uh, reeks a pre uh, you know a predisposition towards evil. Yeah, and at best, if most people act good, whatever that means, right? Yeah. If most people act good toward you or have this good consensus toward humanity, you know, act good toward humanity consensus. Uh, chances are they don't really have a reason to. My wife always <laughs> says, this, if somebody's flattering you and sucking up to you, beware. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if most people are good and have this, again, good consensus, their worldview probably doesn't support it. And if you ask them why a hundred times, they'll eventually get backed into a corner of, well, I don't really know why. Yeah. I don't really know why I'm supposed to do this. I was told to, and I guess I'm just living that out. <laughs> so, so what will it take to break you then? <laughs> you yeah, know? And yeah. Anyways, but um, okay. So along with the whole deep fake things, it's starting to creep into like historical record. So now there's they've figured out a way to like animate century old photos, even like and take a picture of your great grandma who was born in. Well, for you it would be what year? Could be Ireland, Scotland. My no, not where, when. My great grandma. <laughs> wow, we're going back to the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, we're <laughs> going back into the eighteen hundreds. There, <laughs> they could take a picture of your great grandma. You know, 
kind of like brown and beige colored photo or black and white right, or right, whatever. Right. Faded black and white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, f- faded black and white. And they can animate it. They can turn your great grandma. They can make her nod and have a little smirk, blink a couple times to the point where it's like, whoa, great grandma just sort of came to life and I never knew her that, in yeah, life. Yeah. And so it's like seep- seeping into like historical records and stuff and that has its implications too if that continues to go that way and be used in a in a in a bad way or whatever um how st- how do we start changing history like not just censoring history you well you know, know now <laughs> actively changing well you know now see but things, I, I pictures can, i can see a commercial thing for that cuz you know like now you can send off uh, pictures to like a a a, a website where they they put your uh, photographs on uh, like a, a really nice glass thing, okay. and make a a, a, plaque, a plaque like a glass, and you know, imagine if you could bury into that the technology to have like a picture of Grandma nod her head or appear to turn and wink at you. That's disturbing. Don't say and that. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this: This is maybe a stretch for you given your position on the topic. But so I heard someone talking about, he was actually a professor at like Vanderbilt or something like that. I heard him talking about how he thinks this technology can be, can like awaken museums because they can make things now be more engaging with this kind of technology. Yeah, kind of like what I just alluded to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yours was creepy. But... <laughs> How that how it can make like history come to life and be more engaging and uh, and attract you know attract a new audience to, sure, to history sure. and stuff like that. Sure. So, with that said, and with that as a sort of backdrop for this question, do you think that deep fake technology can be used in ways that attract a new audience, quote unquote, to God, to a relationship with God? Do you think deep fake technology can? Um, sort of have a have an impact in that realm as well. And I don't really know how it would do that, <clears throat> so I'm asking. I haven't really I don't have formulated thoughts myself. But if we're talking about history, then you know, history can expand to all realms of life, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So do you think that deep fake technology like can you think of any ways in which deep fake off the top of your head technology can be used in a way that glorifies God or brings people to God or or um, awakens someone's <coughs> excuse me curiosity in God and the history of the Bible and things like this. What do you think? Well, on the on the far <laughs> side, I you know I remember the Apostle Paul says that you know uh, as long as the message is geared towards. A a, uh, a summary of what he alludes to in a couple of places. As long as the message is geared towards uh, bringing Christ glory, he's okay with it. Mm-hmm. So, so I I guess it's possible. I think the person that you would really need in here to discuss the creative end of how it might be used. Yeah, and is, I'm not a creative. Pastor Josh. <laughs> and I'm not a creative he's, person. He's the, he's the real creative. I'm more of an optimistic pragmatist, so I just kind of take things as they come, you know, and try to look at the positive. But could it possibly used in such a way? It's possible. I think the, the problem would be is that, you know, 
it, with Scripture, we are uh, involved with truth. And mm -hmm. by the very nature of deep fake, it is deception. Mm -hmm. And so there would be a, a, so you think there's a, a fine, major... A fine line there, be careful. Yeah. Sort of oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I do like the idea of walking into the museum and and uh, and seeing like a, a deal of Marilyn Monroe where you pass it and she goes, "Hi there." You know, there's there's just <laughs> I, we were talking about scripture and then we jumped to Marilyn Monroe. So mm. your mind. No, it, it's like a, the one of the things that 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 Vanderbilt professor. First of all, real quick, Joe says it's scary on our comments here. Joe says. It's scary. I had to explain to an older, <clears throat> an older person that Obama didn't give Harvey Weinstein a Presidential Medal of Freedom, and she presented the worst photoshopped picture I've ever seen. People are especially, especially gullible to new media manipulation. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. And in a world where we're just doing this on our phones, you know, and, and, quickly, and quickly consuming, quickly consuming, quickly and consuming. And what Joe is stating <laughs> is true. The, the, the danger is then how will you know what is truth and what is not? Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say was, and you're a, you're a church history guy, is that it's almost, it can almost present like a new, um, a new age of like iconography. <clears throat> if it, <clears throat> wow. If it dips into that realm, like if yeah. some deep fake technology is used by maybe biblical historians or, or something like that, it can then be like, incorporated into people's religious practice and stuff like that with the use of deep fake technology. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about and it's weird and um, the sinful man will inevitably take it to a sinful place. I think <laughs> like if it's there to be used in a, in a bad way, chances are we're going to see it used in a bad way. You know, someone's going to be misrepresented by use of deep fake or I don't know. It's, it's a crazy. World what I, what I can see, what, 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 <laughs> I, what I can see in the future developing out of something like that is that what the scripture talks about is the fact that in the end times, as we come closer and closer to the advent of Christ and him removing his church in the end times, there will be many that will have a form of religiosity, uh, but they will, they will not be, um, they will not be true. They will not be um, actual disciples of Christ. They'll just have the appearance, mm. and I can see from a religious standpoint many people being won over to a a fake a church, a fake Jesus, as it were, uh, under these circumstances. So, as as a matter of because, as I said earlier, um, the difficulty is is the gospel of Christ represents truth, but deep fake represents deception. Mm. And and so I can see Satan using that as a tool in order to uh, to pull people away from Christ. Joe asks, "Will deep fake be used to keep actors' likeness in new roles after they've passed?" Kind of reminds me of like how it's to a lesser extent because it's it's not as real looking, but like holograms used in like concerts and stuff. Like yeah, well, um, like the, the, any, didn't any, they do a Michael Jackson thing where yeah. he was doing yeah. yeah. Any yeah. sites specifically like um, Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars characters, um, how in in movies and just a couple years old, it's not it's not deep fake necessarily, but it's like the use of animation and motion capture 
to make like you look make it seem like oh that's a young Carrie Fisher that we're seeing on screen or um, you know another. as I said there's lots of potential for this I mean like I I can I can see it being used as a tool in bereavement you know mm-hmm. um, uh, you know lots of people they uh, they use taxidermy as a way to uh, preserve a dog or or some uh, something special to them imagine in in bereavement if you oh, you so know your your it. husband or your wife you love them you can't you can't part from them and you have a deep fake uh, likeness of them that now uh, you yeah, can refer to yeah it's almost to. like you have a maybe not physical touch although who knows yeah. <laughs> who knows in the future but it's almost like if you can get someone to like surrogate your dead yeah. spouse yeah. through yeah. use of deep fake you yeah, can still exactly. have an emotional relationship with them yeah whoa there's some science fiction stuff going on here <laughs> yeah it's, it's, you know i can see lots of things yeah it's it's interesting okay uh oh josh said real quick before we move on actors are now protecting their post-mortem image for that reason william shatner in particular comes to mind in pioneering that practice oh yeah something having to do with like his physical body right he's like wrote and i think i don't know i don't know exactly josh isn't here but i think i've i've heard him talk about that before where like when he dies he wants his physical body frozen preserved somehow preserved. well there yeah. are people that that apply cryotechnology to yeah. the idea that they'll be they can be uh, brought back he says in revelation they worship the image of the beast who was self who itself animated who was itself animated right yeah Okay, let's move on. Uh, let's move on. I'm going to close out of this. Move on to our next topic. Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. all the great things that we should be talking about culturally and Mr. Potato Head was one of the big uh, was one of the big ones in the news in the last in the last couple of weeks while I was vacationing in beautiful Hawaii. Um, but so the brand, in case you haven't been following, the brand of Mr. Potato Head has dropped its mister from the from the branding of it. Right. Um, like, so when you go buy a formerly known as Mr. Potato Head, you're not buying Mr. Potato Head anymore. You're buying just Potato Head. Let me be clear, <laughs> as they made clear, Hasbro, the toy maker, it's not that you can't buy a version of Potato Head that's Mr. <laughs> Just the fact that you have to dance around the language of this already annoys me, but it's not that you can't buy a version of Potato Head that's Mr., also known as a Mr. Potato Head, (laughs) but that as its overarching branding, it won't be called Mr. Potato Head anymore. It's not that you can't buy a version of Mrs. Potato Head. It's just not going to be called, as 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 an umbrella branded term, Mr. Potato Head. So... What in the hell <laughs> is what I have to say to start? But um, one of the one of the statements by Hasbro says, by offering a toy that exists outside of the binary of male and female, Hasbro is helping kids to simply see toys as toys, which encourages them to be their authentic selves, whatever that means, outside of the pressures of traditional gender norms. So my first question to you is, is it as simple as that, as they would suggest? Is it as simple as Hasbro is just trying to help kids see toys as toys, encouraging them to be their authentic selves? It's never as simple <laughs> as that. I mean, first of all, what they're doing is basically virtue signaling. So, you know, 
I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to, from a marketing standpoint, accommodate the changes that we see taking place within the culture in which surrounds us. So, basically, that's virtue signaling, and I, you know, I mean, I, it's neither here nor there. I, for me, it's not a big deal. I would be more concerned. First of all, I don't consider uh, Mr. Potato Head a really great uh, toy to begin with. Terrible articulation. Um, but but the <laughs> but well, okay, because really the 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 central issue is that in order to change from a Mr. Potato Head to a Mrs. Potato Head. You basically change the headdress. You change the hat. The lips too. And the lips and, and you know. Yeah. Um, but there's no there's there's no penis or vulva there. So you can't and and you I heard it here. I would I would if if they were really concerned about uh, helping children uh, understand the dynamics of things, then they should create some type of uh, interchangeable gentle genitals for. <laughs> no, that's the whole point. They don't. They don't want to. Well, no, because then, because then you can get into helping teach about uh, uh, sexual identity in so many different ways. But having <laughs> having having just two genitals is is is. is uh... I said interchangeable. Yeah, but that would that would suggest that there are only two genders. There are only two ways to sexually identify, and that's the whole point. Oh no, there's many more ways to sexually identify. Right, but if it's you just... introduce genitals, you would be saying you identify as either this way or that way, Pastor, and that's their whole point, right? They they are not trying to lock like people it, in. No, <laughs> they're they are they're from a marketing standpoint, they are being, as I said, you know. They're just trying to uh, trying to identify a product wise uh, their neutrality, but the reality of it is is if they really want to jump in, then uh, they should do as I suggest. So of course it, this decision <clears throat> of course this decision has its fair share of supporters and its fair share of um, outragers, I guess you know yeah haters yeah. So, uh, yeah. and there's a f and there's a fair share of people that are in the neutral spot as well. I could care less. Well, I appreciate your word of your use of the word neutral, given the subject matter. <clears throat> but one outrager commented or tweeted: "People worry about the strangest things, and it's the absolute minority who wreck it for the majority." Some really sad people out there. The fear of upsetting one or two, usually idiots, overwhelms society, and we really need to stop pandering and live a little. So he's talking about the, he's referring to the fact that Hasbro thought they had to change this in fear mm -hmm. of upsetting a statistically, a statistical minority of people. Oh, minute. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but do you think that there's a, do you think there's any sort of precedent that we should be alarmed with in this kind of thing? I mean, you've, you've talked about before. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a terrible thing in my throat this episode. But do you th you've talked about before the aggressive agenda toward children has been happening for 30 years or more, right? Right, um, right. They're targeted most Because definitely. that's how you win the culture is yes. you don't target 
the Pastor Montes. Right. You target the Pastor Montes grandkids. Right. Exactly. You target, you know, their kids in the future. Right. Um, but do you think what what sort of precedent is being set with this sort of decision by Hasbro as it seeks to um, blur, utterly blur the lines of something like gender? I think mm-hmm. that. I mean, that you saw this a few years. Sorry, to quickly interrupt. You, you saw this a few years back. I think Target was saying, and I can't remember if this is a thing still, I, I guess I haven't really paid attention or go to Target enough, but they were going to drop the boys' toy section and the girls' toy section, maybe even drop the boys' clothing area, and like, you know how you see the signs in a, in a sure, store like that, sure, you see sure. men, you know, women, you see the girls' toy section, and you see it because it's a wave of pink that all of a sudden hits, right? Um, so you, it's not necessarily a new thing but it's just another thing toward that toward that agenda um, so I think the larger <laughs> issue that that we're looking at here is that the founders of the Constitution were were concerned that what could uh, what could destroy the Republic uh, so we live in a constitutional Republic and in in that they're, they're their concern was what could destroy it. Uh, our country was um, government uh, taking over and interfering with certain elements. For example, that's the reason why we have the First Amendment, uh, freedom of speech. That's the reason why we have the Second Amendment, uh, you know, being able to uh, have weapons. Um, the, and there are a couple other amendments that apply to that. The, so their fear was that government would be the one that would uh, take over, uh, and uh, and so those that's the reason why those things were put in the Constitution. Interesting, the danger has not been that the government is going to be doing these things, although it does uh, attempt to an extent to do that. Another subject, but 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 <coughs> it is actually big business which uh, is a driving force towards uh, determining what is allowable or not allowable within culture and trying to change culture to match their vision of what society should look like. Mm. Uh, that's the virtue signaling of Hasbro, for example. But, uh, you know, the big, the big uh, Amazon, and, and we'll maybe get into that when we talk about uh, Dr. Susan or heavy, but... Amazon and and uh, um, you know your your big your large corporations, um, uh, Instagram and Facebook and all these are the ones. Big business are the ones that uh, are the that we have to be careful about, and that's what's happening. Yeah, I. I saw this term attached to this article at some point. Maybe it was in the comments or something. But uh, it's the term hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. And hypervigilance, not in the way that we would perhaps use the term hypervigilance regarding you know our faith and our worldview and you know how we live our lives, but hypervigilance in regards to how the culture uses it. So the culture, this is an example of the culture being hypervigilant so that it is sensitive to not offend, sensitive to be more inclusive, you know, sensitive to all these things. So they're being hypervigilant when they make a move like this to, um, you know, uh, as you said, pander to whatever the culture 
wants, essentially, or whatever the culture is at the time deeming good or right or moral, and that's a you know a shifting sand as we know. Um, but what are the dangers of this kind of hypervigilance in culture, um, and how does that differ from how we use the term <clears throat> in our ideology and in our worldview? Well, ultimately, it comes back to the responsibility of the parents. I agree. <laughs> And, you know, the parents, I mean, I, I have issues. That's where with, I'll get into it with Dr. Seuss. We never, when our kids were growing, we never bought a uh, potato head. I don't, I don't want my, first of all, because I don't, I don't want my kids getting the idea that they can, you know, that it's okay to play with food. Wow. I'm surprised I mean, you didn't opt big, with that big. you can take your body parts and put them in your butt. As you do, no, 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 as you do with a potato head. <laughs> wow, no, you know a baked. So when they get a baked potato on their plate, is there going to be a desire to right. play with that potato because they have a potato head? Um, you know, I I just didn't. See, I never saw the point of the of the toy, <laughs> personally. Okay, so back I, to the question. Hyper hyper vigilance. Yeah. Um. Wow. <clears throat> Again, what I see is I see corporate America in particular. Listen, in the in the old days, in my day, when, when uh, we first started seeing a lot of this stuff start to take place, after uh, uh, World War II and then into the 1960s and, and what have you, which is more my generation, um, we were not so concerned with the things that were happening in the world, in the culture around us. Um, and, and if there were changes taking place, they were, um, they were, uh, very, very, uh, underground and secretive in how it is that they were going about those things. Now in the culture in which you live in today, these large corporations are, are, uh, seeking, to change society into what they want it to be, and they are aggressive, openly aggressive, about what they want and hostile towards what they don't want. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I, it it comes back as a as a disciple of Christ. My responsibility in dealing with my children and grandchildren is that I don't take for granted anything in regard to what um, I partake of for myself or my children. We have uh, involved discussions about all of these elements of society. Mm -hmm. And so the hypervigilance really should be on the, part of, uh, on the part of mom and dad. Yeah. Your son, who is watching, wants you to know that, for the record, he did have a Mr. Potato Head, and he loved it. So you can take that up with him after the show, I suppose. I have. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me... And and maybe um, Rose could correct me as well. I don't remember them having a Mr. Potato Head, but I don't really care one way or the other. <laughs> you know, topics like this, I I I guess I appreciate them for <clears throat> tracking what's going on. Yeah, yeah. In the culture, right? Um, so that I can be, as you said, discerning and talk to my own kids about it. Um, but. Things like this, I just can't help but think, like, <laughs> and I, I don't mean to be insensitive <clears throat> or make light of it, but there are people in the world who are living with 
no clothes or food, who are skinny on their, like, who are really struggling and, like, it's all they can do to meet their daily needs. Right. But in America, in countries like ours, we have enough time and enough to where we can worry about things like this. Yeah, I know. It's, it's yes, I agree. It's sad. It's pathetic. <laughs> it's really sad. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Um, okay. I'm going to break for some trivia. <laughs> we have some trivia cards here. Good luck here with that. <laughs> for our audience, who I'll track the comments of, and for our co-host, Pastor Monty. So, um, Jasmine, if you would uh, hit it. Hit it. Uh, I'll just ask you a few trivia questions. Cultural trivia pursuit. Time to play the game. <clears throat> because believe it or not, it's hard to find... <laughs> It's hard to find trivia about uh, cancel culture, if that's what you want to call this. Because uh, it's episode, a new thing. The theme of this episode. Yeah, because it's a new thing. Cancel culture or uh, censorship culture. Although I did try, <laughs> and I have to share this one. This one. So there's a guy who made a like a censorship trivia game, and by nature the the trivia questions were ridiculous, and yeah. that was the point. Yeah. Because he was like. <laughs> Basically raising the question of where where are we at as a culture? This is ridiculous. You yeah, know, the things yeah. we're getting offended by. <laughs> and so <laughs> I looked up his trivia, and the first question on his censorship censorship trivia pursuit was, what are you more offended by? <laughs> what are you more offended by? Janet Jackson's nipple, referring to the Super Bowl thing, Michael Jackson's nipple, <laughs> Michelangelo's nipple, or David's statue of David's, David's nipple David, by right, Michelangelo, right, right. or your own nipple. <laughs> what are you more offended by? <laughs> and so once I found that, I abandoned all, all of my quest to find a, wow. a censorship <laughs> trivia game to give you today. Yeah. But we have as a fallback here our pop culture trivia pursuit question. So I'll ask you if you just to break up the monotony of our subject matter. <laughs> okay. Like, like it's out been, of curiosity, like it's been boring up to this point. Out of curiosity, though, what are you more offended by of those options? Wow. <laughs> um, you know, I was more offended by uh, the the penis of David rather than his nipple. Okay. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and we'll move on before this show completely goes off the rails to where we don't want it to go. All right, so pop culture question. I encourage you, if you're tuning in, to uh, look online. Also, your wife says she's guilty. She got her kids in Mr. Potato Head. Okay. So I sense, I, I I sense a future argument. I, no, no <laughs> argument for me. I stand corrected. And that she still has it somewhere. So literally, <laughs> it's in your house. Um, there, there we go. Let's pull that out and play with that baby. Okay, you ready? Sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to find a question that you're going to have a chance in hell at. <laughs> so bear with me. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, wow. These questions. <laughs> in what Price is Right game do players drop discs down a vertical board hoping to land them in big money slots? <laughs> you're old, so you watch Price is Right. No, I've never watched Price is Right. But I actually do know this because my grandma used to watch it and so I know it but I'll read it again Dis in what Price is Right game do players drop discs down a vertical board hoping to land them in big money slots so it's that one I'm pretty sure where it's got all the pegs right and your disc hits the pegs and it's like roulette where it goes you know the name of that game no I made famous clue. by uh, Bob Barker 
No, I haven't a clue. It's called Plinko. 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 So if you got Plinko, you know, and you're, sh- hey, a couple people got Plinko. Yeah, I should have known that. Josh so and Heidi to... both were correct. It's oh, well, that's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so they watched Well, you didn't give right? me options. James were there options? Plinko. No, it's a trivia game. You don't, It's not multiple choice. Plinko. Plinko. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Never heard. Okay, ready for the next one? Pinko I've heard of. Pinko? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. What actor did Melanie Griffith... Melanie Griffith, is that the comedian, the redhead actor, actress? Melanie Griffith? I don't know. What act? No, I'm thinking of someone else. What actor did Melanie Griffith move, move in with at the age of 14 and eventually marry? Oh, I'll wow. give you a hint. Wow. Miami Vice. Uh, Don uh, Johnson. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my one gimme for the day. All right. What talk show host... This was a big guy during my kid and teenage years. What talk show host commonly paints his pinky fingernail black? Wow. Um, Howard Stern. No, although I could see that. No. Carson Daly. You know who Carson Daly is? I've never, no, I've never watched Carson Daly. MTV, TRL. Yes, it's MTV, so you know. He hosts other stuff, too. I'm pretty sure he hosted like yeah. a, a music show or some sort of talent show or something once. I'm very limited in who I approve of as talk show hosts, so... I'm, you're pretty limited in who you approve of in general, <laughs> to be fair. What? <laughs> yeah. Catch, catch up there, Jess. <laughs> All right. What harmonica-wielding actor was responsible for The Return of Bruno? <laughs> okay, I'll give you did, a hint. Did Bruno leave? I'll give, I'll give you a hint. Big action star. Big action star in the 80s, 90s, and... I guess he's had a resurgence of his... I guess he never really went away as an action star. But for the last 25, 30 years, big action star. I have no idea. Dwayne Johnson. No, he's new. (laughs) He's only burst onto the acting scene like the early 2000s. Bruce Willis. Bruce, okay. All right, last one. Last one for a more younger audience. What movie is Eight Mile... Or what movie? What city is the movie Eight Miles set in? Eight Miles. I haven't even watched Eight Miles. Do you know who it's about? Um, no. Eminem, the rapper. You know Eminem. Yeah, yeah. The you know white guy from? trying to be black. Yeah, yeah. The white guy trying to be black. Yeah. Detroit is the answer. Okay. He's from Detroit. Okay. Detroit. Cool. Okay, that was our pop culture trivia. Let's see. <laughs> we got a couple people who got Plinko, and uh, Joe and Tiffany got Detroit. Josh got. Communism? What? Communism? <laughs> Maybe that's a typo. Pinko. No, no, no. Communism? I, I said pinko. That's the communism. Uh, oh, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're, get, we're getting crazy here. Okay, this probably will take us to the end, I imagine. But the latest, this was, what, a few days ago or something? Yeah, it's been maybe Again, a it week. Was, yeah. it, was, it was while I was vacationing and not worrying about ridiculous things such as this. But in the last few days or week... Um, Dr. Seuss has made the headlines. It was Dr. Seuss's birthday recently. Yes. And um, he made headlines. Why? Because his books are being pulled off of shelves. Not all not of all them. Not all of just, them. Yeah, not select, all of them. A select six, yeah. specifically. Yeah. His books are being pulled for being discriminatory, racially insensitive, um, hateful. 
<laughs> is why they're being. Uh, I mean, that's what it. That's what is being suggested that they're, you know, they're discriminatory. They're racially insensitive, and because of those, they're they um, are are hateful. But he has several books. Six of them being pulled and no longer. I think they're just no longer sold. Yeah, like they're they, no longer available. They're not going to be available. Um, and to be fair, at least four of them I've never even heard of. For those of you who happen to have these in your library, oh, yeah. say, hold on to those. Hold on to those. Those are kind of probably going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> yes, they are. So if you're a collector and you're looking to make some cash, their value exponentially honestly, I'd increased. Be interested, <laughs> I'd be interested in what they'd sell for even right now yeah. if you were to go online. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. if they already have a value that has shot up. Yes, I agree. They, pulled, they probably have. Let alone in a year or something. Yeah. But um, so he made the headlines because of, because of that, because. His content is being deemed as you know discriminatory and racially insensitive and things like that. So I'll give you your initial thoughts. Specifically, what cited is, um, gosh, I forget the name of the book, but there's you know his books are they're caricature esque, right? I don't know yeah. how to say that. Yeah. Um, but in his books, for example, he has like a an Asian man in a like a straw hat, like a like a cone. You know, you know what I'm like the about? type of hats that Asians wear. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> okay. I've lived in Asia. But they don't a all lot that, do. So let's be a careful. A lot do. Okay, that's that's fine. If a lot do is fine. But so Asians are wearing hats like that. Asians are you know wielding chopsticks. And you know why they wear hats like that? You know why they wear hats like that? I imagine it has to do with the fact that if they're farmers, they're protecting themselves from the sun. It is hot. Yeah. And that's the material that they have to make the hats out of. So, anyways, that's an example of why his <laughs> that's an example of why his books are being pulled. There's, for example, Asians are depicted as cone wearing hats, chopstick wielding. You know. They look a certain way, have a certain, uh, you know, they um, eat with style, like their yeah. clothing or whatever. Um, certain countries, they eat with chopsticks. <laughs> it's true. So what are your initial thoughts on this whole thing, then? <laughs> well, okay. Initial thoughts, initial thoughts. This is cancel culture. Mm-hmm. This is basically a group of... See, see, here's the thing, is that the at the root of cancel culture is the idea that that um, I am in power and I only want what I want because I'm in power. And so I can force other people to do what I want because I'm in power. And again, we don't have government which uh, which are are doing these things. We have uh, distributors like Amazon and Facebook, and Instagram, and all these de- who are who are making the decision that they are going to tell you what you can or can't read, what you can or can't say, uh, because they are going to dictate what is allowable or not allowable as they seek to shape the culture in which we live in. My question is this. <clears throat> So I don't know if you grew up reading Dr. Seuss books. I'm not even sure like when his first like I've children's read, books were published. I've read so I don't know some if you of were, them. No. I don't know if you were young when they were first like being published. I know they're old. Like, My parents didn't give us books to read. And that's when Jasmine hits the sad sound. 
<laughs> there it is. Um, I was a deprived so my question is poor this. child. <laughs> Why is it that I can grow up reading a Dr. Seuss book? I'm sure our producer Jasmine grew up reading Dr. Seuss book. My kids have Dr. Seuss books in their room. To be fair, they don't have the six that are being uh, pulled. I probably have some in my library. They don't Our have kids the six, read Dr. Seuss. They don't have the six that are being pulled, partly because I, I didn't know they existed. I'd never heard of the titles. I think I heard of one or two of them. Right. So, you know, I grew up with them, read them. Pretty well-rounded guy, <laughs> I'd like to think. You know, yeah. or pretty good guy yeah. by culture standards. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. Why can I grow up with those books, consume those books, uh, but today's kid can't? Why, why is it harmful for today's kid growing up and not harmful for me 20, 25 years ago? Okay, so you What's just the, from where, a formatting where's standpoint. Where's the disconnect? Just from a formatting standpoint, you know I don't do why questions. Okay. <laughs> I think you understand my point. I'm being, that, I'm being facetious. That being question. said, you know, were you listening to what my initial thoughts were? Of course. What you do or didn't do as a child is not important. Hmm. That that's that's canceled out. We are now going to dictate to you what you can and can't say, what you can and can't consume because we're in power. Deal with it. So Joe brings up a question, valid, because if I looked at the numbers for these specific titles too, but he asked if there isn't a market for them, can a business not adjust? Meaning if they're books that aren't selling as as well, can they not adjust? <coughs> um, Josh says, valid question, but another question that is that this re-brings up is, does art belong to the artist or the public? So two different questions, right? So in my research of this news that's breaking and stuff, it seems like they're focusing less on the numbers of these particular titles. You know, I would understand it. Okay, these books sure. don't sell. Like, we're not going to sell them anymore. Right, right. Um, purely a marketing purely issue. Purely marketing. But as I understand it, and if I'm wrong, then forgive me and I'm wrong. But based on what I was reading from several different sources, that's not what's being cited for why they're being pulled. They're no. not being pulled because of marketing, because of they're not they're not selling they're being pulled because of what they're what they're um you know what they're portraying right fox news is the five did a segment on this and jesse waters one of the uh one of the five hosts of the fives uh had each one of the books and he he opened the books and he pointed to the specific issues that uh, they were taking issue with, and and so and you you look at some of those things and you just go, really, but you see these people who who do this type of thing. Uh, first of all, we go back to the issue: they're virtue signaling, but worse than virtue signaling, they're now dictating what you can and can't consume. Mm -hmm. And they're taking away from you the freedom of well, your choice. Well, here's, here's what's even more, here's what it also leads to. That dictation, right, of what you can or can't consume and the freedom of your choice. I was listening and reading an, another part of the same whatever, but it's now going from that to artists, for example, comedians and writers yes. and, and stuff like that. They're self-censoring 
yes. because of fear of what will or will not be allowed, will or will not be consumed, and how self-censorship is now this new, like, hugely dangerous or thing. Or who's and, sponsoring them. And that level of, that level of um, like, telling what you can or can't do has now moved into, okay, well, I, I guess I just won't, like create that kind of thing in fear of this, in fear of like, yes, the whole yes. censorship. And so yeah, yeah, or who's it, sponsoring them. Do you remember about six months? must have been about six months ago. Uh, Dave Chappelle did a, uh, did a, uh, a, a segment, you know, where he, he basically just, uh, <laughs> he just let it all hang out. And he didn't, he didn't care. He doesn't you know, tend to. He doesn't. Yeah, yeah <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, but but he just didn't care about cancel culture and about what people liked or did. He just put it out there, mm -hmm. and there were a number of comedians that really spoke to the fact that they liked that he did that, and that he was brave enough to do so. But they also pointed out that that many of them, as comedians, because they want to work. You know, stand-up comedians—they—they—they—they they, 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 they go to venues where larger corporations are normally present, Here's and they're going to dictate what they can and can't say. Here's what's interesting about that, and I can't really crack it in terms of why some people can make it on the other side of this cancel culture. Is so you have people like Dave Chappelle. There are many others like him, but he's a he's a prominent one, obviously. Who, I mean. For as long as I've known him as a comedian, there's nothing off limits. And for this kind of this guy, you know, he'll talk about anything. He calls hypocrisy on both sides as he sees it, yeah. so on and so yeah. forth. Um, and he'll joke about the <laughs> the the worst things you can think of, you know, like vulgar and offensive. And he'll joke about you know high, more high thought type of things. So someone like him. He can talk about these things and, and whatever, but somehow he makes it on the other side of censorship. But then it seems to me, and this is just observation, it seems to me that people who who choose to like live under that that pressure that the culture puts on them in terms of that kind of thing, yeah, the people that choose to live that way or or portray a certain image of themselves, but then you find out you know some hidden stuff behind the scenes or whatever, yeah. Um, and okay, now that person's not who they say they were, and now let's cancel them or whatever. Those are the people who get canceled, who yeah. are silenced, who you never hear from again, you know, who won't have a future in that business or that industry. But the people who just sort of, here's who I am, you know, um, I'm not going to apologize for it. Like, I've done these things. This is where I'm coming from. I don't, blah, 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 blah. Those people seem to somehow like make it on the other side of a, of a cancel culture without being scathed in a like a in a way that affects their career or things like that you know what i mean yeah um, i do and i'm not saying i i support all of dave chappelle's choices morally or the things he talks about that i think are moral or whatever but mm. it seems to me that people who don't choose to live under that sort of cultural pressure and uh, form that conform to the idea that they say is good you know this this is what's good or this is what you should accept right those are the people that seem to break under that Whereas well, the people who are like, look, man, I'm this, I'm this person, you know. Partially because it's weird. those types of people, Dave Chappelle, Robin Williams, those type of people have a particular branding that they've developed in their comedy. But but there is, it used to be culturally that uh, 
if you were a comedian, you could get away with a lot more than what would normally be socially acceptable. Right. But even now we see that starting to change and become more and more difficult for uh, comedians that uh, work well, and, the circuit to and be comedy able to has, survive. has sort of played a hugely important role in like keeping the culture accountable to like hypocrisy. So yeah. I think Dave Chappelle in that regard does like a, a good service to the culture like this side says this, this side this says this, and you're both crazy for these reasons. <laughs> like, right. you know, like comedy can do a good job of keeping the culture accountable and level-headed, you know, because it it is hyperbolic by nature, and like this is where that leads to. In a lot of cases, it's true and stuff, but yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. I would say that part of, uh, part of the difficulty as well is that there have been uh, stand-up comedians, comedians that started out. Uh, in stand-up and then they've worked into different things and as they work into those different things like like i would say let's take for example talk show hosts Mm -hmm. so jay leno pretty neutral um but uh, uh fallon tends to lean you know tends to lean to the left kimmel or both well kimmel for sure kimmel for sure (laughs) kimmel for sure and and so what happens? Guess, well, what happens there is that they tend to have dictated to them by the networks what is going to be allowable or not allowable because the networks are concerned about the market share. You know what's interesting? In the viewership. You know what's interesting about Jimmy Kimmel though, since he was brought up, is he talked about this Dr. Seuss thing in his monologue. Yeah. And he was. He was like saying that this is ridiculous. Well, it is you ridiculous. Know? And he did a whole thing about okay, the next Dr. Seuss book will be called No Green Eggs and Ham because that offends vegans. You know, <laughs> it offends vegans to have a book called Green Eggs and Ham. I <laughs> and so on and so forth. He did a, he did a whole. I like, just cringed at the thought of having to eat green eggs. He did a whole thing about <laughs> all these different books and and rebranded them and retitled them to be non-offensive. Yeah. And he said like, and he was joking about it, and he obviously didn't support our last president, but he's like, this is the kind of thing that gets your next Donald Trump elected because you guys are taking this too far. Like you don't, you're not doing your jobs as parents. You know, this is a caricature. It's not meant to represent. If I draw, I went to Hawaii. Okay. I'm not an artist by any means. I'm a stick figure kind of guy, (laughs) but if I draw or illustrate a book and I'm talking about uh, my experience in Hawaii, right. And I draw some Hawaiians in my book with board shorts and a tank top because I saw a lot of them with right. board shorts and a tank top. <laughs> That's correct. Am I discriminatory? Well, not. I mean, that's a good question, right? <laughs> like, am I? Is that book gonna make it, or is it gonna be pulled? Like, it's ridiculous. Did you put a lay in their hair? No, I didn't put a lay in my in or their hair. The flower in their hair? So you, you, you. No, but it's crazy. Like, I think these people have too much time on their hands. Personally, <laughs> it goes back to that, huh? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It looks like we have some good discussion on the <laughs> on the comment okay. section. Well, yeah, let's do the comment section. Well, it goes it goes back a long way, but it, it has to do with, you know, the right to pull the books, what the pulling of the books implies, um, if it's a market issue or if it's a if it's a censorship issue. Um, but that's I mean, that's the long short of it. There's some back and forth going on. Um, is it a burning books issue? Uh, Not there yet. Yeah. Can't burn them if you can't get a hold of them. Joe <laughs> says that the latest latest comment here, 
he's talking to Josh. I think it's a small implication. It's a shrewd move in in a changing market. Probably did more to protect the brand moving forward. And then Josh must have responded to me. Why does Moana have thicker legs and dark skin? That's discriminatory. He's being he's being he's whatever, being facetious. You can you can pick on anything you want to and make an issue of it. Mm-hmm. It's true. We're out of time. Our hour's up. Well, it's been entertaining. It's been. I hope it's been entertaining. <laughs> I hope it gives people food for thought. And uh, yeah, tune in next time. There's some question marks about when next time will be because of spring break and our co-host will be gone and maybe I just host it by myself and I just sit here and talk to myself. <laughs> there you go. And I'll switch seats and talk to myself. I'll yeah. switch back. Yeah. Switch back. But anyways, thanks for tuning in. Hope it's useful to you and uh, stay tuned for the next episode. So bye. Aloha. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Leithea Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio.